And hello, everyone. Hello. And uh, yeah, a really warm welcome to each of you, wherever you are in the world right now, and however you're doing in your body, in your heart, mind right now. You're really, really welcome in this session. It's lovely to be connecting again in this way. I'd also like to thank um, dear Willem for inviting me just to offer some reflections this evening on this theme of unlearning reactivity. And in particular, a, a particular framework we're gonna be exploring together, the framework of grain that I'll say a bit more about. Um, and my guess is that for those of you who have been attending these sessions uh, over the last year and particularly the last 12 weeks with Willem and Liz and Sheila and others, that the theme of unlearning reactivity is probably quite familiar. Uh, you may well remember having done uh, the vicious flower exercise, which is one of the practices from NBCT for life, mindfulness for life, um, which is an invitation to to, to notice and identify and reflect on some of our kind of reactive patterns that come up when we feel stressed or when things are difficult or uh, when we feel under pressure. And you may, if you have participated in that exercise, have, have identified patterns of you know, self-critical self thinking or the kind of blaming of ourselves or others um, patterns of, of ruminating, reliving past painful events or pre-living events we're worried about or complex relations we can have with, uh, with food or with, with alcohol and other stimulants or um, just the way we can bury ourselves in our work or in our social media or in our cat videos on YouTube or whatever it happens to be that's your particular fix, you know. And so this theme of reactivity and, and, and reactive patterns may well be uh, familiar from these sessions, but my guess is that, um, you know, whether you have an established mindfulness practice or not, that you're familiar with at least some of your patterns and how they can come in so quickly and so instinctively. And, in a certain way, you know, mindfulness presents us with a basic choice, react or respond. You know, react automatically, habitually, or, or respond with, with awareness, with, with presence of mind and, and heart. You know, it's a choice that we're we're kind of facing almost in every moment. And also as a general choice in our lives, are we gonna be, are we gonna to choose to, to be carried by the currents of reactivity or guided by the stars of our, be our better lights and our um, kind of deeper values? And, and of course, reacting tends to be easier, doesn't it? Because it's so well-practiced, you know? We, we may notice how our reactive patterns in the present 
reflect kind of much older, or we could say much younger strategies of reaction and self-protection or reaction in order to help make sense of events or in order to feel safe or in order to get what we want. These patterns often connect in with kind of survival strategies that we learnt at a young age in response to environments that were more or less well attuned to meeting our needs uh, and to giving us the attention and love that we needed. And these patterns have you know, developed early and then been learned and been consolidated by repetition. And don't they just kind of create grooves in the mind? Don't we have that sense of just how easy it is to slip into patterns? Uh, such as the ones uh, I was mentioning, and how so easily our reactivity, these kind of instinctive habits of reacting internally and externally, um, they can just write the story of our lives if we let them. Uh, and this is part of what makes mindfulness so precious, because mindfulness practice and mindfulness courses are, if you like, kind of streamlined, are, are, are precisely oriented to helping us to wake up to the force of these habitual reactions and develop that capacity to choose our responses, to, to in a sense, open possibilities for walking different pathways through our lives, guided by our deeper values and by our wiser and more compassionate intentions rather than just our reactive habits. So mindfulness at some very kind of fundamental level is about unlearning reactivity. And I'd like, um, uh, as, as invited by Willem, to, to offer some kind of reflections and things that I'm finding it helpful to, to play with and practice with that are gathered into this acronym GRAIN, which stands for, for grounding, recognizing, allowing, investigating with kindness, and non-identify. Yeah grounding, recognizing, allowing, investigating with kindness and non-identifying. Some of you may be familiar with uh, a, a version of this as rain, just without the G on the front. You may have heard Tara Brach and others give wonderful, wise, helpful talks uh, about this practice. And um, grain is the, the whole food version of, of that. And it just includes this practice of grounding on the front of it. And, you know, when, when the waves are up, when things are difficult, um, when caught in a storm of reactivity or a, a kind of a flood of emotion, a funk of a bad mood, um, I just find it so helpful to have uh, an acronym like this, to have um, grain, as a reminder 
because it's just so easy. To, it, I may be the only person on this call for who this is the case, but it just seems so easy in the midst of difficult times to forget what might be helpful, yeah? To forget what might be helpful. And grain can feel like a kind of banister to hold on to when, when things are difficult. And that's just steadying and reminding of what uh, is worth kind of practicing in the midst of conditions as they are. And grounding is so often so helpful in the midst of difficult times. Don't we just find how reactivity tends to send us up? Kind of stress, anxiety sends us up. Um, busyness, um, overstimulation, technology sends us up, you know, and we get, you know, uptight, we get sped up. Um, education can, can send us up. And uh, we can find that we're kind of so easily lost in just abstractions of thought, kind of forgetting that we have a body and certainly forgetting that we have feet. And one wise teacher who I greatly respect uh, likes to say the safe direction is downwards. The safe direction is downwards, not the only direction is downwards, um, but, but the kind of initial direction is downwards, to go down and find our feet and find a sense of steadying there in order then to rise up and to relate to life. Just like the downness of tree roots enables the upness of the trunk and the spread of the branches. Kind of going down and grounding in order to rise up and relate. You may even want in this moment just to kind of play with that. Because it is very, at some level, as Alison was, was so beautifully guiding us, it is, it is very practical. It's about finding the ground beneath our feet. It's, it's quiet and ever-present support and steadiness and sanity. The feet on the ground, especially the heels. And the seat on the chair, if you're sitting at this moment, maybe especially the sit bones. Grounding means being interested in these sensations of contact with floor, with seat, and really kind of receiving, appreciating the gift of them. In general, kind of dwelling more in the lower half of the body than we tend to when we're busy or stressed or uptight. Grounding also has the sense of the weight of our limbs, the weight of our hands. The sense of, of what some cultures call the earth element in the body. Ways of kind of releasing back into the ground some of the electric charge of uh, activation and reactivity that can just be circulating in our nervous systems, being kind of charged and recharged. If, if you like, the lightning conductor isn't plugged into the earth if there isn't a way of kind of grounding, if we're not practiced in doing that. And 
you know, in terms of the nervous system, grounding is, is kind of like applying the brakes. It, it slows uh, and steadies. Because don't we notice that reactivity so often has a rush to it? It's a, it's a, there's a kind of rush into, you know, berating myself or, you know, blaming others or opening the fridge or just kind of burying my head. And the kind of slowing down that grounding supports can really be helpful in opening a capacity for choice. You know, we can have this sense that certain, certain thoughts, certain memories, certain fears, certain body sensations are like accelerators. And that actually it's also helpful when we're driving a vehicle really to know about how to apply the brakes or how to touch on the brakes, how to stay in contact with the brakes in the presence of that which activates and accelerates us. And, you know, part of this, I think, is, is, is that grounding, you know, feet, seat, hands, feet, seat, hands, which at times can be the most helpful practice, whether we're meditating or, you know, sitting in a interview room or a doctor's surgery or, you know, a traffic jam, whatever it is, feet, seat, hands. These tend to be parts of the body that are not so activated by emotion. You know, the soles of your feet are, are probably not anxious. Your, your sit bones are probably not depressed. Your hands are probably not judging you. And this can be useful to know because other parts of our body can be very caught up, you know, in activation and reactivity. So, so grounding is the G. Grounding and perhaps gratitude as well. Because both in moments of difficulty and as a daily practice throughout our lives, the practice of gratitude is a medicine for the reactive, uh, agitated body and mind. Gratitude that, that can acknowledge what's also here alongside this difficulty. I've been finding during this year, I've often been trying to say, okay, yes, there's difficulty, yes, there's suffering, and also these blessings, and also these blessings. So grounding and gratitude as supports for recognizing the R. Because much of the, the power of difficult moods and emotions and of reactive habits comes from them being somewhat unconscious. They, they tend to direct our attention out into the world and say, there's something wrong with that, you know, or I've got to get that. And, and actually part of the kind of empowerment of mindfulness is to be able to say, ah, oh, Actually, what's happening in here? What's happening right now? What is this mood? What is this reactivity that's coming up? Oh, this is anxiety, or this is frustration. This is the power of the first step of the breathing space that I'm sure you've been doing with, with the, the team over the last um, many weeks. You know, which is the first step is to recognize 
just to acknowledge. And in recognizing, we become less lightly just to be taken for a ride by a wave of reactivity or a wave of emotion. Oh, sadness is like that, this, you know. Anger is like this. There's less sense of being carried away. And, you know, the recognizing is in a sense, the first stage of allowing. Allowing creates space for what is already here. Allowing, in a sense, uh, allows the moment to be as it already is. It, it softens, it can support a sense of softening to allow this moment to be as it is. Because we know, don't we? that it's resisting and it's a version that solidifies things, that makes difficulties feel more solid or makes emotional states that are difficult to be with feel more kind of compacted and, and impenetrable and, and non-negotiable. And of course, allowing may start with just being willing to tolerate and to breathe with rather than to brace against. It may, may be allowing that this moment feels horrible, as Mark Williams often says, and it's so helpful. Oh, it's okay not to like this. You know, it's okay not to like this. Allowing is allowing the feelings, even if the situation feels impossible uh, to allow right now. And one of the beauties of the grain practice is that we can kind of pivot or pendulate between different aspects of it. So the allowing, if it feels overwhelming, then oh, time also to go back to the soles of the feet or time just to take a moment remembering something I'm grateful for today. It's almost like allowing when it's kind of supported in this way, just allows a little kind of pressure out of the pressure cooker of our embodied hearts and minds. As one writer puts it, allows pressure out a little at a time. So there's just a kind of gradual releasing of the pressure that may have built up and may have been kind of intensified by resisting. So grounding, recognizing, allowing, investigating with kindness, investigating with kindness. And and this really is about investigating what intensifies the sense of difficulty and what, if you like, de-intensifies it. What intensifies the difficulty, what de-intensifies it. In asking what intensifies it, this is really the kind of wisdom question that's saying, how is this working? How is this kind of being created in the embodied heart-mind and, and the building up this pressure. In asking what de-intensifies it, it's more the question, what does this need? It's the question of compassion. What does this need? And I find it helpful to think of three Bs in this territory, body, behaviors, and beliefs. So, so body, so often we see how uh, you know, a reactive pattern or a difficult emotion comes 
with body sensations, comes with contraction that actually is integral to maintaining that difficult state, the tensing up, the, the, the contracting, the disconnecting. We can see that the kind of tension in the body is integral to having a panic attack, for instance. It's, it's necessary to be tense in the body in order to have a panic attack, we could say. And just to kind of recognize, oh, the body, the body is part of this, just to see that, to allow that, to give space for that. That can really help. Similarly, with behaviors, the tensing up often leads to a speeding up, doesn't it? Where we kind of find ourselves uh, walking along corridors or the pavement at that kind of angle, you know? And there's a sense of, of you know, a non-stop, what Mark calls franticity, which often can lead to taking on too much, you know, drinking too much coffee, you know. So recognizing, okay, the, the behaviors are contributing to the difficulty. They're an integral part of the difficulty here. What about the beliefs? Well, here we can draw on the wisdom of, of cognitive psychology that, that points to the power of assumptions. What do I have to believe or assume in order for this reaction or this difficult emotion to make sense? On what belief or assumption does, does it depend? Because if there wasn't this belief, there wouldn't be this emotion or there wouldn't be this intensity of emotion. We may notice that that, that our strong emotions and reactions are also often based on assumptions about what we think we need to be safe or to be happy. I'll only be safe or okay when or if, or I can't be happy unless. I'm never gonna get what I need to be happy. So, so these, kind of beliefs are really, they're part of what sustain the difficulty. So these are how, how the difficulty works. The compassion question, what does it need? Well, it may need at the body level, some movement. We sometimes hear a kind of mindfulness instruction or pseudo mindfulness instruction, perhaps just sit with it. But I certainly find that many patterns of reactivity and many difficult emotions are much better walked with than sat with. Some of them are better run with than, than sat with. Certainly better than lying down with them. You know, I, I'm finding it helpful sometimes if I'm awake in the middle of the night with a difficult pattern to get up and do some walking meditation. It can really help. Or to do some of the moving like Alison was inviting us to do earlier. Perhaps uh, the level of body, also there's some soothing. There's a hand on the heart or on the belly. There's a sense of, of giving ourselves a hug. In, in the domain of behavior, what might help? Well, sometimes slowing down, taking a break, going outside, taking some time really to resource ourselves, to turn back to the door, to pendulate back to the G of gratitude. Take some time midst the peace of wild things. Time out in nature. 
things that remind us of a sense of humor, you know. Sometimes the wise action that's needed is uh, to take a stand, to, to say no, to say actually enough. So exploring, part of the investigating of grain is exploring what are the actions, what are the behaviors that can help as well as what does this body need? At the level of beliefs, some of you may know the song uh, from Porgy and Bess, Gershwin's Porgy and Bess. It ain't necessarily so. And I just find that, that line from the song, it ain't necessarily so, can be so helpful just to keep close by because it can help to remind us that although thoughts may feel like facts, they're not facts. They're always representations of situations rather than situations themselves. And, and that, that this can be so helpful to see, so helpful to see. Seeing the, the kind of mutual dependence of a difficult emotion on patterns of thought. They feed and need each other to be sustained. And sometimes seeing that dependence can help the mind to let go. So this is the I, this is the I. Finally, the N of non-identifying, the I of investigating, the N of non-identifying, uh, the N of non-identifying, which really draws on wisdom perspectives, whether those wisdom perspectives are from the wisdom of contemporary cognitive psychology or ancient uh, contemplative tradition that sees that identifying and clinging to, to thoughts and beliefs and patterns and emotions and sensations as me and mine is to amplify and intensify the suffering. And that there's a wisdom in what cognitive psychology calls decentering stepping back, a wisdom in the perception that the ancient tradition gives, that gives us not me, not mine, not who I am, just a pattern. Just, if you like, weather, the weather of the embodied heart-mind in this moment. That's why Tara Brach sometimes uh, says that the N stands for natural, it just, like the weather, comes about due to causes and conditions uh, that are beyond our control and that are infinite in number. So the mood, the sensation, the mind state of any particular moment, again, is born of causes and conditions that we don't have to take personally. We can, in a sense, be reminded that these are part of our common inheritance, these patterns. These are shared. They're shared weather patterns. And uh, this is a kind of letting go, not taking a, even habits that feel so familiar, not taking them personally, not taking them as me or mine or who I always am. You know? There's a gesture here of, of surrender, we may even have a sense of surrendering to God or surrendering to grace or surrendering, surrendering into the mystery of things. Being able to, to allow uh, 
experience just to arise and pass as it does. Tara sometimes also says that the N is for nurturing. And this, in a sense, brings us full circle, or we could say it shows us the spiral nature of this grain patterning, because it brings us back to gratitude. And there's a sense I have, the more I kind of practice with this framework, that it is like a kind of spiral that connects us with organic rhythms and processes of the embodied heart-mind. It's, in a sense, a way of metabolizing life. It's not a, a rigid checklist. It's got a kind of fluid flow between what feels helpful, what, what does this moment need? How can I best take care of myself? So this is a, a framework that we can play with certainly in meditative practice. And we can also play with it in the midst of daily life and daily activities. We may find that any one element of it can come in and just be helpful to support us uh, in the midst of a difficult moment, in the midst of a wave of reactivity, or as a way of gradually building our resilience and resourcefulness over time. So just these uh, reflections on grain. And um, what I'd like to suggest is that we take just a few minutes now to, to practice this and just to try it out. So why don't we uh, just begin um, again by coming into the body and finding our feet. You may want to do this sitting, you may want to do it standing. but really having a sense of the support of ground, the ground of the floor, the ground of what we're sitting on. The safe direction is downwards. Can we appreciate, can we breathe in the sense of support that's provided by a floor and chair in this moment. If you find it helpful to close the eyes as you do this, please do. If you find it helpful actually to ground through seeing, through looking at some steadying object in the space that you're in, please feel welcome to do that. But maybe there can be a sense of appreciating this moment, being grateful for this moment, this togetherness. And letting that support just a curiosity about how this moment is for you. So we're recognizing What's happening? What's happening in body? Heart. 
in this moment. Maybe it's one of these that's obvious sensations in the body. A mood or emotion that's waving through the heart. Thoughts in the mind. Maybe you can name them. Or maybe there's just a sense of this moment is like this. This moment is like this. How is it to allow this moment to be like this? The A of grace. To have a sense of breathing with the experience of this moment, rather than bracing against it. If that feels difficult, then remembering the support of feet and seat. Letting both grounding, letting grounding support allowing, breathing with just how things are right now. Grain can in fact support uh, enjoyment and nourishment from pleasant moods and states of mind, as well as a practicing with more difficult moods and states of mind. And there may be a sense if there's some peace here or some steadiness here or some contentment here of just allowing that, breathing with that. The I for investigating with kindness is just being curious. And as this is a short practice, why don't we just take the, the second question, what does this need? What does this moment need? Might it need a placing of a hand on the heart center, the middle of the chest, or on the belly, Might it need giving yourself a sense of kindness and care and compassion in the midst of what you're going through right now? Might it need a remembering that however things seem, whatever the thoughts might be saying, it ain't necessarily so. And that this too, this too will pass. Might 
this moment also need the N of non-identifying. The sense that the conditions of body, heart, mind are not me, not mine, just conditions arising and passing. Just, just the weather of this moment. Breathing with, allowing, and letting things be. So that was uh, just a brief exploration of a practice that can be done briefly or can really uh, provide orientations for much longer periods, indeed for you know, all of one's practice. 